Welcome to the Weight Loss Podcast, where we offer solutions to the obstacles you face when it comes to achieving your health and fitness goals. As a married couple who's lost a combined weight of 100 kilograms and 11 clothes sizes, our raw, real, and relatable stories will show you the path you must walk to achieve, and more importantly, maintain the results you know you can reach, because we know it works. So get ready to share the success and show the results with your hosts, Matt and Courtney. Yes, hello and welcome back to Season 8 and welcome back to Q&A Part 2. The end of Season 8, you might say. Yes, the last end one. of Season 8. Um, more than likely our last podcast for the year, but I won't commit to that. No, we never promise these things. Who knows if a Christmas special might pop up because we've got nothing else to do in our lives. Yeah, yes, but to wrap up Season 8, we always do... We usually always do now a Q&A to wrap up most seasons. It's tradition. And uh, we started last week and it went a bit long, so we are here to wrap up well, Q&A. It could have gone a bit long, but uh, we decided to split it up because why not? Yes. So as per standard procedure, I will read. I will Actually, I will read a great, a great question and we will flail around and attempt to give great answers and probably screw it up as we do. It's tradition. What are we <laughs> – why change now? Let's just dive straight in, yeah? Yep. All right. Question from Kari. I am a calorie counter and a daily exerciser. What is the main focus for you? Do you focus on habits or calories? We don't count calories, so – Easy answer, habits. Um, quick and easy answer to this one would literally just be that we don't count calories because we find it a waste of our time. <laughs> um, we'd much prefer to focus on habits and being you know, calorie aware. So you're being aware of <clears throat> what you're eating. Can I just interrupt for a sec? Mm-hmm. We answered this question in the last one. I just went and looked it up. It's like, hang on, didn't I read this last time? Yeah, I did. We answered this in the last one. Okay, so it is going to be a really quick answer, which is... Has anything changed since we last answered this question? This no. is what I'm talking about. We get great questions and we just flail around attempting to give answers. And story of our life right here. Focus Best on, intentions and... Focus on your habits, not your calories. And, and you know what? I'm not even going to edit this once we're done. We're just going <laughs> to fucking own this. Because that's how... That, the, the, here's an example of how people can just screw up sometimes, just... Mate, have a laugh, move on, get on with your life. We answered this question last time because I just went and had a look. Just, yeah. How, Sounded very familiar. It, indeed. Yeah. Well, so good great, question still. Su- such a good question. We've answered it We've twice. We've answered it twice. So now we'll actually get on to the next question. <laughs> you sure this one is new? Yes. Okay, just checking. Can confirm. All right. Laura asks, what kind of meal prep containers do you recommend? Any specific brands or styles? I can't say I've been asked this one before. No, haven't been asked this one before. It's a good question. Now, you, Courtney, are a bit of a guru when it comes to meal prep containers. I wouldn't call myself a guru. I'm also still learning. In this room, you're the guru because, like, hey, it fits, cool, done. I'm also still learning about this. Um, I think for me... Anything that's going to make things easier. So in the past, we've had plastic containers with different colored lids. I think we just got them from Coles. Um, 
which is a supermarket chain here in Australia. Mm. <clears throat> and I can't remember the brand name, but basically they had a different coloured lid for the different size container. So you sort of knew exactly which lid had to go with which base. So it made it really easy. Um, I just like anything that's going to be easy like that to store and to use. Um, I also do like, though, I am trying to incorporate more glass containers into our collection. I think just moving, trying to move a little bit away from plastics um, is what I would like to, to look at next. I've been doing some research into that. So that would be my next step. Obviously, glass, though, isn't for everyone. They can be quite heavy. Um, also breakable. They're obviously glass, so they're not for everyone. But I definitely um, would like to incorporate some more glass containers. I will never, like, I don't think we'll ever totally move away from plastic, but definitely like, like the idea of storing things in the fridge probably in glass and then keeping plastic containers for like when we go Travel. out. Yeah. Uh, my my thoughts on this, I can't recommend any specific brands because like, it's, I mean, does the job is does the job. All I would recommend is to have, have containers that the way I look at it is I want brain dead solutions. I don't want to have to expend mental energy figuring out what is what. Mm. I want it to be clean, simple, I don't need to think about it. Like with it, with our ones in the cupboard, like, okay, there's the green ones, there's the red ones, there's the purple ones, there's the blue ones, done. Yeah, they're size-based. So, so. Excuse me, Matt. Matt likes brain dead. Mm. So for me, it's just, it, it's easy, it works, it's organised. I don't need to think about it. That That's what I look for. Yeah. So most, most of the containers we've ever bought tend to be just from yeah, supermarkets. Like the supermarket. Yep. Brand ones, just, the ones that they stock. Just go down the container aisle and like, um, yep, that was good enough. Boom, let's go. I think we bought ours because Coles were having half price. So the supermarkets often have them on sale. Oh, you go, you go chasing um, the bargains. So I definitely wait until you can find them on sale and then stock up on your sizes then. But yeah, I would, I would agree with Matt. Just whatever you find most convenient in terms of what's going to make your life easier. So for us, it's color coding makes took, our lives you easier. You took the exact words out um, of my mouth, whatever makes your life easier. Yeah. Cool. Um, yeah. Righto. Next one. All right. Get ready. Mm-hmm. Shauna, I am 57, lifelong struggle with weight. I am six to seven weeks into my program. I hired a personal trainer. Yes, he is good. Mm-hmm. I struggle with going out to dinner with friends and family, and how to order food and drinks. How do you deal with the emotional aspect of ordering healthy and not feeling satisfied but knowing that it's good for you or not feeling guilty by ordering something that may, be not, may not be beneficial to your plan but is what you wanted? Do you deprive yourself of calories earlier in the day hmm. so you can order these types of foods? That'll be a quick answer. What is the balance calorically slash nutritionally and emotionally? I know you guys say it's just one day. Yes, we do. And it won't completely derail you. No, it won't. However, it's the mental game and owning whatever you order, whether it be good or not great. I struggle with having it sit in my head for hours feeling frustrated and it takes over my thoughts. Now, Shauna also asked a second question. I will not read that right now because let's answer this one. 
Yeah, well, I think I think in terms of this one, when you're talking about the mental game, depriving yourself of calories earlier in the day so you can go out for dinner is still a mental game. So basically what you're saying is you're going to deal with the mental game that you're currently having a problem with and just replacing it with another one that's going to be a bigger problem. So The old phrase, robbing Peter to pay Paul, comes so to mind. Every scenario there is still a mental game. So you can't outrun the mental game. You have to just deal with the one that's in front of you. So absolutely would not recommend depriving yourself of calories before you go out for dinner because that is a mental game that is a very, very steep, slippery slope that can go downhill really fast and start to creep into a lot of other things you do. Um, What I would suggest is trying to focus mentally on what strategies can you put in place to deal with going out for dinner and eating what you want, I, I would deal with that rather than trying to replace the problem, if that makes sense. Now, how do we deal with that? Well, there's a couple of different ways you can deal with it. I mean, for, for me, I've gone up and down with it. I, I've never had a massive problem with this. Have you had a massive problem with this, Matt, going out for dinner and beating yourself up about eating whatever you wanted? No. No, okay. Um. Well, I'll we, tell you why in a sec. Okay, you go then. No, no, after you. No. That's, that's, that's what I meant, after you. Please continue. You're on, you're on a thought-like journey here. Can Please continue. The answer to the question is no, but I'll elaborate after you're done. No. Well, I'm just trying to think of a strategy that you could work on for dealing with think, like having anxiety about this afterwards. Okay. Well, in that case, I will assist. So I read this question. And I think to myself, tell me that you have a diet mentality and a poor relationship with food without telling me that you have a diet mentality and a poor relationship with food. That's the actual problem here. Mm. So if you think to yourself, oh, well, if I starve myself, it'll make it feel better. No, because you are attempting to solve one problem by actually creating another and not you're dealing with the symptoms, not the disease. Yep. So the disease here is, well, why do I feel guilty about having a meal out? Because when you think about it, if you're having a meal or two out a week and everything else you're eating is your own good food, what difference is that going to make? So you say, yes, you know, I know you're going to say it's one day and it won't completely derail you. Do you know why we say that? Because it's fucking true. Mm. Like it's just, that's just how it is. The actual mental game here is really about the relationship that you have with food and how you view food as good or bad. Yes. That's the actual problem here. So when Courtney asks me, you know, have you had issues with this? No, because I know that one meal out with friends is an enjoyable experience and I'll have whatever the, whatever I feel like having and then it's just back to what I normally do. Because mm. the thing is you're always only the next choice or the next meal away from getting back on track. Yes. So I definitely will agree with Courtney. The idea of depriving yourself beforehand, no. It's actually making the problem worse. It's not healing a clearly damaged relationship with food. Mm. How do you do that? Well, fuck, that takes time. Because if you're 57 years of age with a lifelong struggle, we're talking decades of rusted on habits and mindset and belief. So I can't give an answer right now that's going to take this away because this is going to take work. 
probably years of work. I would say the way to start this process is to honestly get help. Yeah. Have people or person, whatever, in your corner to be able to reassure you of these things and sort of hold your hand and go through this. Because mm. if, if 57 isn't old. However, 57 is not 47, 37, or 27. We're talking decades of this stuff. And that's actually what makes it harder as you get older. It's not because, oh, I'm too old and my body's blah, blah, blah. No, it's because your brain is a very dry canvas. It's not a blank one like when you're young. The, the paint is dry on this. So I can sit here and say, well, yeah, it is just one day or it is just one meal, but there's a bigger issue at play here and yep. that's what needs to be addressed. I'm done. Yeah, I agree. Anything else you that? No, I I, th- I think you've hit the nail on the head. I think it's just dealing with the symptom um, there, which is the overthinking of or the the agonising anxiety that you're feeling after you've had yep. that meal. Because the actual question isn't so much, okay, what can we do to make you feel less guilty about this, is, well, what's causing this? Yeah. That is the actual problem. Go up the chain Yep, is where you'll find the real thing that needs to be addressed. Mm-hmm. I agree. All right. And the second question that Shauna asks is, also, is there a good cookbook that you recommend? Thanks for everything that you do. There is a good cookbook that we recommend, the one we give our clients. Like, we recommend that. Other than that, like, in terms of cookbooks, like, whatever looks good to you. I mean, there's a gazillion out there. Yeah. It's it's kind of hard to find a shit one because it's all going to be kind of subjective. Based on the individual yeah. and what, what's going to appeal to you in there. Yeah, the good thing is there's so many out there now. So, you know, you might pick one that's based off time. You know, they they a lot of these chefs as well, they make these cookbooks based off things that you might have at home. So, mm. you know, if you've got a particular um, time limit on your days and you need quick meals, then you're going to have be able to find a cookbook that – makes quick meals you know you can find cookbooks that have um you know no more than 10 ingredients or whatnot that way you know you know it's going to be a lot quicker than than some of these cookbooks that have meals that take 50 different ingredients so as given that you are a thermomix owner is this a chance to flex and just say hey i've got a thermomix the thermomix cookbook kicks ass yeah, I mean, there's definitely different ones of that too. Like there's mm. there's different ones that people have done if you have something like a particular piece of equipment that you want to use more. Even slow cookers, I'll you know, f- there's, there's, there's cookbooks out there that are literally just slow cooker recipes. So if there's any sort of piece of equipment you have in your kitchen too, like Thermomix, slow cooker, anything like that, then you might have a very unconventional kitchen and you might not have, not have a cooktop and you might have to cook everything in the oven. Um, it very unconventional. There might be the opposite. You might not have an oven, and you might only have a cooktop. Or you may not use microwaves. You might not use microwaves. So there's literally a 
cookbook out there for everything these days. So I would definitely sort of find something that you want to get better at. So whether it's cooking quicker or using a piece of equipment and... Or learning how to use one. Look at cookbooks for that. And then also remember that, you know, a lot of these cookbooks people get put off because they say, oh, well, I wouldn't have that exact recipe. But then when we... It happens when we give clients our like recipes as well and we say well what would you change in that recipe and they'll say oh i'd probably i don't like red meat so i'd probably just make it with chicken go for it that's fine (laughs) so remember when you're looking at cookbooks like i often will look at cookbooks and say okay if i didn't make that exactly how it was how would i change it Mm. and if i think that i could change out one or two ingredients and still make a killer recipe then it's a great cookbook for me yeah cool cool Mm -hmm. nice job Next one, another another big one. This is what we do to partners times like this. Yes. So so buckle up, kids. From Pia. Hi, Matt and Courtney. Love the podcast. Love the banter. Matt's dry sense of humor. Mm-hmm. And the passion you both share. Well, thank you very much. Lovely feedback. Yes. My question is more about healthy lifestyle than weight loss as such. How do you introduce a healthy lifestyle to children? I've always had a reasonably healthy lifestyle, exercised regularly and ate well-ish. Wanting to share that with my kids, I was strict with their food and put them into many sports and after-school activities. I sent them to school with a healthy lunch without treats, limited crap food in the house, but had treats and takeaways to celebrate and on lazy weekend evenings. The reason I ask this is now my kids are older and they say by not having had treats growing up, When they went out on their own, they ate all the things I tried to have them avoid, creating a negative attitude towards food. Today, they are fit and healthy young adults. However, I prefer they hadn't gone through that. I'm wondering if I should have done things differently. I have a grandchild now, and I'm already thinking of ways to avoid giving her junk food. I know you don't have children, but maybe this issue has been a concern with clients as they embark on their journey. Is this a case of damned if I do, damned if I don't? That's a big one. That's a big one. Do you have any thoughts that come to mind on this? I'm unpacking this mentally right yeah. now. My first thought would be um, my, my parents always, I always remember growing up, there was a uh, jar of lollies on our dining room table or the kitchen bench, one of the two. It would always sit there. Which is still there, by the way. Which is still there to this Mm. day. There is always a jar of lollies that is restocked at my parents' house. And you know what's on top of that jar of lollies? A jar of chocolate that's always restocked. Well, now they've gone to like a two-tier jar. They've got a a double-decker. Yes. But anyway, the point is that has been there for as long as my living memory. Mm. And I remember asking my mum one day, why is that there? Like, why is it so important to you to have the jar of lollies there? When did you ask this? I don't remember exactly when, but it was while I was still living with them. The so things you learn about the people you marry. I would have, I would have been in my late teens. Okay. When I asked, what'd she say? She said that when we were young, and we would go to you know family birthday parties or something like that with the cousins, with our cousins, or you know friends their friends' children or something like that or school children, she said that sometimes she would see little kids stuffing their pockets full of candy or chocolate or lollies. lollies. Yeah. And she remembers once being told, I can't remember who exactly 
told her, it must have been one of the parents or something like that at this party, told her that she doesn't let her children ever eat chocolate or candy. And my mum saw the child <laughs> stuffing the pockets full of the candy. And my mum was said that she was like she just felt for the child but also for the parent because she knew the parent was trying to do the right thing but obviously the child was was stashing this this candy because never never got it um and my mum was a bit embarrassed for that for that whole situation even though she wasn't involved in it so she said to me that by having always a lolly jar in the house she thought that it would mean that we wouldn't be the kids that went to the their birthday parties and stuffed our pockets full of lollies because we never got it. Well, didn't I just find out something? Yeah. New? So that – We are all finding out this at the same time. <laughs> that was apparently the reason why. Okay. I don't think it also hurt that my dad loves lollies. <laughs> So he also was a big fan of having the lolly jar. But that was one – I don't think it was the only reason, but it was one of the big reasons why she always wanted lollies to be available to us if we wanted them. Mm-hmm. In saying that, I it's not like I grew up with any better understanding of food or better relationship with food because of that or in spite of that. I think sometimes – I don't want to say you're damned if you do, you're damned if you don't. I just look back on my childhood with eating and I think one of the main things for me potentially might have been something about, you know, I, I don't think the education on food was always there for me. Um, but then I don't blame my parents for that because they wouldn't have had it either. Like I just don't think it was in my lifespan it was ever sort of like something that was really looked into. Um, so I I personally think, yes, we don't have children, but for me in, in the answer to this would be more about yes in moderation and yes balance, but maybe explaining the why. Why is there moderation? Why is there balance? And continuous education and information about foods I think is maybe a way to help with that. So when children – do get older and they can go out and they can, you know, spend their own money and buy their own food, hopefully they won't have that need to binge or to go the other way because, yes, they didn't have it all the time growing up, but there was always an explanation as to why and explanation as to just nutrition in general and foods and everything. Does that make sense? Mm. That would be my first thoughts, but again, I, I am speaking from somebody who doesn't have the first-hand experience of doing it. Um, have you had clients that are parents, Matt, that you've seen this happen with? I'll give a slightly different answer. Yeah. So the thing that sticks here to me, I can't help wondering if I should have done things differently. I mean – Aren't we all geniuses in hindsight? Yeah. However, I will look at it this way, right? So no, I'm not a parent. However, I grew up with parents. We've all grown up with parents. I have known parents. I know parents and I will for the rest of my life. The thing is, 
there's no being a parent doesn't come with an instruction manual. No. There's no apart from some obvious common sense things, there's really no sort of best practices when it comes to everything about being a parent. So I look at this and it's like, well, if you've raised fit and healthy young adults who are well-adjusted and aren't serial killers, you've probably done a pretty fucking good job and you've done your best. I agree. And I wouldn't be going through the rest of my life if I was in a situation thinking, Could I, you know, should I have done things differently? Like, again, there's no, there's no manual for this. I mean, that can extend to life in general. Like, yes, there's common sense ways to apply yourself, but there's no actual manual. Like, ultimately, when you really think about it, we're all fucking winging it. I agree because, like, I I would never – it's never crossed my mind ever in the years to sit there and think, well, I would blame my parents for not teaching me more about food or not doing this or not – no? Well, the thing is I, I've i grown up in the other end of the scale to this where I wasn't moderated much at all. And so it eventually became a free-for-all. Yeah. So from, from my personal perspective – I think I would have benefited with more of an approach like this. And I think if I was a parent, again, not having not having a, the instruction manual on how to be an A-grade parent, I would probably take a similar approach-ish with this. Like, you know, I if I had if I had children, I wouldn't want them to grow up the way I did. No. I wouldn't want them to have to go through years of, of obesity to then work around it like how about you learn from my fuck-ups and avoid that altogether mm. so that this is the first thing that comes to my mind you did your best you appear to have good kids and they're healthy fit young adults none of us are perfect we do our best yeah i yeah maybe damned if i do damned if i don't might might be part of the answer but hey you did your best they're good they're they're good adults You've now got a grandkid, so like, hey, didn't do, didn't do that bad. Clearly, I think it is a little bit, a little bit of that. I mean, it's probably a harsh way of saying it. Damned mm. if you do, damned if you don't. I think looking up at, you know, the way that you had food open to you, Matt, growing mm. up, and there was no moderation. There was still moderation with me yep. and my upbringing, but we both ended up having a similar habit of overeating i mean yes we weren't at the same weight and at the same level of that but oh, we have a lot of commonalities we have a lot of commonalities starting point but we both had a different upbringing when it came to food i didn't have takeaway that often and when i did you know it was more of a treat it was it was known as a treat that sort of thing yes we had lollies and chocolate available but i mean it was very different but we ended up at a similar place so i think if you're really looking down if you're going to be harsh about it, probably maybe damned if you do, damned if you don't is the way to explain it. But I think the way you just said it, Matt, is, is, is perfect, which is you just do your best, which is the way that you think is, is the best way to go. And, I mean, I'm not really sure that you can – isn't that just the, the motto of parenting in general? Is that You just do the best that you know? Ultimately, like you think about it, parenting is a risk. You're taking risks on the decisions that you make with your kids and how you influence them and how you lead. Mm. Like I also look at this. Like it's the way I, I the way this sits with me, this to me is someone leading from the front. Yeah. Which to me is the best form of leadership because pretty much 
what I do know with kids working with enough parents in my career, like monkey see, monkey do. Yes. Like if you have a pair of obese, unhealthy parents, well, the chances are higher of having obese and unhealthy children. Yes. You know? And so I know that my obesity as I grew up and became an adult also led to creating a negative attitude towards food. Yeah. You know, like it's, again, you do your, you do your best. Yeah. Don't you? I, I agree. Like it's, it's. That'll also be in the future a good question for um, Andrea. That would be a, tr- this is actually a brilliant question for Andrea, host of our, one of our sister podcasts, the MILF podcast. That's M-I-L-F-F. I'm going to send this question to her. Hmm. Get her to answer this on on her next season's Q and A because would love to get get her thoughts on this. Yeah. So uh, Andrew is a mum of three children. She is now. Now, um, still young young children, but she will have very young. She, she just had a third. She has a very. Um, she obviously lives a particular lifestyle. She's a trainer. She's a very successful trainer. So it'd be interesting to get her thoughts on whether she's thought about how she intends to incorporate certain foods into their lifestyle growing up. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to say this and forward it to her to, mm. to hit because that's a, that's a good one. We'd like to, we'd like to see what, what she thinks versus what, how we've interpreted this. Yeah, yeah, because obviously as well she may not – she's only probably just getting to the age where some of her children are starting to go to parties and things like that. And it would be interesting to see if she's thought about in the future how she's going to sort of um, mm. combat com- – anyway – I don't know. <laughs> I was just trying to think of a word, but it just didn't come out. But anyway. Hey, going over there. It's going well. Anyway, next question. <laughs> Last question. By the way, though, PR, that's a good question. Yes, great question. I don't think there's an easy answer to that's, that, uh, and I think it gets you thinking. That's got. I'll tell you what, that's got me thinking. Yeah. I, I do like questions that really make me have to sort of grind the gears in the brain. And I think that's the sort of question as well that evolves over time as well. And I think it'll be really good to get someone like Andrew's opinion on that because I think you can take little bits of uh, wisdom and then sort of bring it together for how it's going to work in your life. All I know is just just, just in closing, just even just rereading this question again while you were talking, Courtney, like if I was a parent, I think I'd do the same approach. I, I, don't, I, don't, I think it's really good actually to circle back to that because we didn't actually touch on that. I, I My first inclination when you were reading it out, Matt, was that that sounds like a good approach to me. Well, well here, like I sent them to school with a healthy lunch without treats. I limited crap food in the house but had treats and takeaways to celebrate and on lazy weekend nights. You know what? I would do the exact same thing. I would too. I don't have a I don't have any problem with that as a strategy to me. Um, well, hey, I'll tell you again, I'd do it. And I think maybe coming out of that, people are just going to have different relationships to food, and then you deal with that when it happens. But I, you know, yeah. This this to me this to me comes across as an approach that, from my perspective, puts kids at least in a decent position to not have to deal with obesity and poor health markers. Yeah, in their formative years. Yep. Yeah. 
So, I, hey, I'll tell you what, if this is not a good approach, then I would not take a good approach because I do the exact same fucking I'm thing. I'm very interested. If this isn't a good approach, I'd be very interested to see what the good approach is. So Yep. All right. Love it. Good stuff. All right, again, last one. Question from Jenna. This is a simple one, but maybe not so simple. How do you maintain focus during invisible success? It's hard. What, what is invisible success, Courtney? Invisible success uh, is something that we often refer to on our podcast as like small wins. So it's the it's the things that you're succeeding at before maybe the clothes sizes change or the um, the big goals are starting to be achieved. So invisible success isn't really invisible, and that's why I like to refer to it as small wins because success is there to be seen if we look for it. I think a lot of people in the past have referred to it as invisible success because it's not, it, it's, it's not, cha- the weight's not changing on the scales or I haven't um, dropped a dress size yet. Yeah, it'll be, it'll be three things. The weight's not changing on the scale. I haven't, my, my clothes aren't fitting differently and I can't see a difference in the mirror. Yeah. But their successes aren't invisible. So I, I do like to call these small wins rather than invisible success. Um, so with when we talk about small wins, you're talking about so many different things that you can celebrate. Um, everything from, you know, setting new routines, getting food prep done, getting to the gym every, every session that you'd plan to for a week, um, lifting heavier weights on your weight training days, mm. um, it could be um, what else? <sighs> I'm just trying to think now. It could it could just be seeing a, a improvement in the quality of your skin or in your hair or your nails. Um, there's there's a lot of a lot of small wins. We did a whole podcast on small wins that you can look for. Um, I think how to maintain focus during that is actually noticing them. <laughs> to me was the biggest thing if you if you don't if you wait until you see the big goals like so if you wait until you see those big 3 that you you said Matt it you're going to it's it's going to be a slog <laughs> it's going to be long and you're going to start to doubt the process you start to doubt yourself you'll start to think that nothing's happening that this is a waste of time all of those negative thoughts are going to start come, coming flooding in. Unless you can give yourself positive feedback and tell yourself and your brain that you are achieving things and celebrate those, then, of course, it, your negative side is all automatically going to kick in and start to sabotage you and you'll start to lose focus. So I, th- I think the main thing in, in terms of staying focused is making sure that you're giving yourself that positive reinforcement you're highlighting things that are working and that you're doing better and that you're achieving. And they're all on the path to the bigger goal because without those, without achieving those things, then you're not going to reach the bigger goals. You're not going to reach the things, the times where you can look in the mirror and you can notice straight away the difference. Um, so it's just reminding yourself of those and making sure that you're actually acknowledging them and celebrating them because we're human beings. We all like to feel like we're doing good things. We're all fi- when, especially when we're working hard. When we're working hard, we all want to feel like there's a reason for it and that we're heading in the right direction. That we're doing good. 
And if you go through this process and never celebrate that and never acknowledge that, we're human beings. We're just going to crash. We're going to crash. And the negative thoughts will, will take over and we'll just crash out. That's what I think. <laughs> How do you maintain focus during the invisible success? One of my favourite phrases that I've been taught is it's about the journey, not the destination, which is a cliche, but it's also correct. The thing is you focus on the process, even though it's not always immediately rewarding or immediately satisfying. It's the things you do day in, day out, week in, week out, etc. So and I've gone through this a gazillion times where you have these these days or these weeks where you just you get in your own head and you think, oh nothing's changing and blah, blah, blah. okay. What am I doing right now to keep taking positive action moving forward? Am I still going to the gym? Am I still getting stronger with my weight sessions? Am I being consistent with my meal prep? Mm-hmm. Yeah, if, if the answer is yes to these questions, well, I just got to keep going. So for me, I maintain focus by focusing on the task at hand. Yeah. Because the thing is, the the goals that we're working towards, honestly, they are simply byproducts of a successful process that is created and sustained over a period of time. There's no process, there's no outcome. Too often we get caught, I think, in obsessing over the outcome and then overlooking what is required to actually get there. Mm. So yes, obviously, as a co-host of this podcast, I agree with small wins because yes. Yes. And you absolutely look at the small wins and you focus on what you're doing to get those small wins. So like I said, am I getting stronger in the gym? Oh, cool. My squats have been going up consistently. My deadlift's been going up consistently or my quality of my movement's improving or I'm able to do harder exercises in the cardio class that I attend. Like, you know, pick pick your wins here. But you focus, honestly, as boring as this sounds, you focus on the process. That's how you maintain focus during the invisible success periods. Just keep doing it yep. and aim to improve where you can. Yep. That's what I think. Perfect. Done. That is the end of our question time. That's the end of us. So that will bring season eight to a close. Indeed. High five. High five. Thank you very much if you've stuck with us for this long. Yeah, we're sorry. (laughs) We hope that you've managed to get something out of these Q&As. I mean, they're fun for us to do. I hope people actually get something out of them. Is it is it entirely possible we do these Q&As for our amusement only? Yes, they might be. Mm. Um, but we hope you've enjoyed Season 8 in general. Yeah. Honestly, we, we do this to give you value and to share what we've learned and what we still continue to learn because, you know, we're still we're still growing, we're still evolving. Like we're, Absolutely. We're different people to the ones that started this podcast, like, Coming up on six years, Courtney. Yes. Just putting that out there. Six years ago. But we look to share value. So all, all I can say is from my perspective at least, and I think you'll agree on this one, Courtney, like we just hope you get value yeah. from this because 
like we know we work we work in an industry where it's just like quick fixes and bullshit and fake promises fucking and noise like just left right and center yep and i just hope that we can you know continue to to cut through that as best as we can yeah same so we hope you've enjoyed season eight we hope you continue to get something out of it we will be in touch when season nine is coming season season nine is obviously maybe not obviously but it's guaranteed it's uh we've already um got a a basic outline for what it's going to be in the new year so we're not going to commit to it but you may or may not hear from us before season nine. If you do, we're sorry. Look forward to that. If not, we're sorry. Look forward to season nine. Either way, we'll be, we'll be back soon. So we hope you got a lot out of this. If not, just blame Courtney. Uh, Courtney, can we wrap up by just giving one more final plug to our kick-ass Facebook group? Yes, yes. So if you go to Facebook and you just search the weight loss podcast pretty simple there is a group you are more than welcome to join that group hang on we encourage you to join that group we're telling you fucking join it join the group uh absolutely and that's it yep that's That's a wrap thank you and have a good one and we'll see you soon ish Are you ready to share your success? Head over to our website for full access to our show notes, resources based on today's topic, and links to our Facebook group so you can share your story with our hosts and many others out there who are looking to achieve and maintain their health and fitness goals. You can find all that and more exclusively at theweightlosspodcast.com. 